Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in to the We Are One podcast. This space, it's a collection of talks ranging anywhere from sermons from our ministry, creative thoughts, breakout sessions at things like We Are One Conference, as well as some inside scoops on leadership. We hope it helps you. If you want to keep up to date with everything We Are One, you can go to weareoneyouth.com or follow us on social at WAO Youth. We hope you're blessed. I want to read two scriptures and then I'll have y'all sit. My first scripture tonight is found in Acts chapter one. I want to give you some direction as you leave here today. Let's, let's look at it in the screens. You can gra- grab your Bibles um, when you sit down. This is Jesus, the book of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and what? To the ends of the earth. It's pretty fantastic. You wanna know what's next? That. You ready? Don't say yeah until you know what it costs. That's what's next. You're gonna leave here and say, I need divine direction. I need to know what to do with what God has told me. Jesus gave us the instructions. And he gave us the equipment. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. My favorite verse, I would say it's my life verse. I brought you guys my life verse. I'm preaching my best scriptures. Is that, you feel loved? Hebrews chapter 12, let's put it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The title of my message is a dangerous race. You showed Jesus you can dance for him, but can you run for him? Showed him you can twirl and put your hands in the air, which is all important. But Pastor Dave pointed out so appropriately last night, we could do that anywhere. A lot of bands pack out concerts of a bunch of Christians all the time. Yet the cities in which we inhabit those auditoriums and arenas remain untouched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question isn't, can we worship him? That's an important question, but you've answered that this weekend. The most important question leaving here today is you will dance, you'll worship, but will you run? Will you run the race? Jesus, we ask that your name above all else would be seen, would be glorified, that we would do just as that verse says, fix our eyes on you. Help us run the race with perseverance. God, help us where we feel weak, where we feel like we don't know what's next. Give us divine direction. God, help us remove all barriers that are going to stop us from following you. Give us encouragement for our endurance and help us win this race. Help us run hard after the thing that matters most is giving you glory and helping other people know you as Lord and Savior. We commit to this dangerous race right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, clap for Jesus. Go find your seats. Thank you, Pastor Luke. 
Thank you, We Are One. I, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I, the Apollo guys last night, I, I, I was mostly eating pizza during the concert because my favorite band had already done their thing. Shout out, We Are One. Spitfire available everywhere. You got to get seven. You got to get the recomplete editions. Um, you you got to scoop up every single, uh, every single single, okay? They didn't pay me to do that. There's no corporate sponsorship, all right? It's just, I, those Apollo guys are great. God bless them. Uh, I, I hope God, where's it? But I, I, I know the horse I'm betting on and, and, and he's a spitfire, okay? I thought there'd be a little bit more We Are One pride in saying that. Sweet. Um, if we haven't met before, my name is John. Uh, I'm a pastor on staff at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation Church. Um, my wife, Amanda, is also on staff there. We have two daughters, uh, Selah and Zaria. I think we have a picture. We can show that just so y'all can get it, not get it out of the way. That sounds so bad. What kind of dad? <laughs> there, there. Oh, look, there's us. Can't really see the baby, but this was a couple months ago and there really wasn't much to see. Yeah, she looked like a like a worm kind of, you know, like babies do, you know, but now she, she's, she's beautiful. There's my oldest, Selah. There's my wife, Amanda. We've been married eight years. Clap for us. Okay. It's quite an accomplishment. It's like a countercultural thing to like get married and stay married. So we've got the double whammy. We got married and we've stayed married. So it's worth applause. Okay. And guess what? I didn't even date in high school. It's okay. I mean, it works out for some people. I'm just, I'm just saying. Not most of them. <clears throat> and uh, man, this, this is probably going to be the hardest part that I preach because uh, I'm like an emotional guy and I'm okay with my emotions. But I, I don't like when I, okay, I like crying when I want to cry. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm ready for it. Like I'm like watching Endgame and I know Iron Man's about to die. I'm like, I'm ready for the tears. Like, like I'm like, or, or like um, uh, in, in the office when like Michael is, is flying away and Pam misses him because she took the day off and went to the movies and then she runs with her shoes and then she like finds him and we can't even hear what they say because he already took off his microphone. I'm like, I'm ready. <sighs> but I don't like crying when I don't want to cry and I can't control it. But if, oh gosh, I, so annoying. Hold on, let me open my water bottle. Don't look at me. I'm just kidding. Um, I can't look at them. But the, uh, the pastors of this church, just so annoying. Maybe I just need to cry it out. Maybe I just need to go backstage. But the uh, Pastor Jeff and Tammy and Pastor Dave and Sid and the whole Chris family, they're, they're like family to me. And... This is so not what I'm trying to preach about. And it's just taking a long time and I'm a very ADHD person and I felt really clear about my message and now I'm crying. But, and and I, lo I love them so much and I really do believe that honor precedes so much of God's anointing. And you should do whatever you can to honor the leaders and pastors in your life. And um, there are gonna be a handful that you honor um, because God has positioned them and the Bible says that all leadership, all authority comes from God, and so you should honor them. And there will be a handful that you, you honor because of the impact. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's good. Timing and drink water. Um, you honor them because of the impact that they've made in your life. And, you know, 
We Are One truly has made an impact in my, my life for years as a music movement, best worship leaders I've ever seen. Um, and by, by best worship leaders, I mean, they talk to kids, they serve, they lay hands, they're pastors, they're in the field, they're doing it. Gotta find you people that don't just have the talent, but they're with, with, they're with the people. That's the, that's the secret sauce. And uh, this is the first place that ever invited me to preach years ago, and it was terrible. I tried to do the whipping nene. Uh, does anyone remember that? They're probably leaders now. There's no way you remember it. You would have been like three, okay? But I'm glad you're here. Do you, there's no way you were there, okay? I love you. Um, yeah, we were in the, the youth room, and I had a beard. It was horrible. I think I preached in a tank top. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was so bad. But I'm not... But but I'm, I'm saying that to point out, um, one, I wanna honor them. And, and I know Pastor Dave said it, but you guys don't realize how rare it is what, what you're sitting in. You realize how rare it is if you've ever tried to actually do something or build something. And so while you're young, or maybe you haven't had the opportunity to build something or really be used by God, before you can add in your own memories, why don't you just honor those who have, who have paved the way? And so Pastor Jeff and Tammy, David said, I love you guys so much. I love this church. Love you guys. That'd be appropriate to stand. We love you guys. This is a different church. This is not normal. The sacrifice, the years, the legacy, the lineage, the example. I love you guys. I love you guys. That took so long and I don't regret it. I just can't control the tears. I tried and I was like, maybe I'll say it backstage in your office, Pastor Jeff. So if I say it and then I cry back there, then it won't happen. But I can't, I just can't stop it. So I love this house and this house is a, has a great legacy of not just gathering on Sundays and Wednesdays, but going out and bringing the gospel to those who need it. And the title of this message, being a dangerous race. Hebrews 12 lays out for us that this is a race that we're in, tells us the direction. Wherever Jesus is, we're fixing our eyes. Jesus in Acts chapter one sets them on a journey of saying, you wanna know what to do next? You take what I've done for you and you take it to other people. Acts chapter one is, is at the end of the 40 days that Jesus had spent with them. It's, it's kind of catching up there after the resurrection and uh, and now he's saying, here, here, I'm gonna ascend, but I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit down and then y'all are gonna go out there. In leaving this conference, the greatest question that you can answer um, really can't be about your emotion. It's gotta be about your commitment. Because I can guarantee, and this is not doubt, this is not faith, uh, uh, fake faith or lack of it, the feelings will fade, but your faith doesn't have to. And some of you, I wanna encourage some of you, you've done this before. You're on the, I call it the conference carousel, the camp carousel. You have an annual relationship with Jesus where you come to an event like this and you get everything right and then you go back to the way it was and you come. And then right now, you're almost counting yourself out because you're so used to the cycle. I say in the name of Jesus that that cycle is gonna be broken. But I wanna encourage you guys with something. I wanna challenge you with something that you can't just leave here with a commitment to devotion to Jesus personally. The, 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 if you leave here and you just try to talk to God on your own, 
If you're like, I'm just gonna take all this and it's about me, 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 and I'm gonna put it into practice and when I'm ready, I'll share it with other people. If it's just about you, it will fade. And if it doesn't fade, it'll just grow stagnant. But I'm telling you, for those of you who catch a vision for the mission of Jesus and say, right now, today, I'm texting people on the way home saying, are you coming to church on Sunday? Right now, today, you're saying, I'm not just gonna make it about me. I'm going to bring what God has done for me to other people. But it's a dangerous race. You know, this is uh, over a decade following Jesus and being a pastor, and, 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 and I'm gonna be honest with you, it can, get, it can get really discouraging. You see people fall away, like I said. You know, pastors and, and leaders were people too, and it can get really easy to like have these big prayers and dreams, and then you're like, well, they haven't happened yet, God. So did I think of them wrong? And then you're watching other people accomplish the things that you prayed for. And you're like, what did I do wrong? And then some of them are people that you've seen up close and you know some of the ways that they mess up and the way that they sin. You're like, I literally saw you do that. And you got promoted and not me? It's been a thing since high school where I have been in this perpetual state of wondering, God, did I hear you right? Are the things that you told me, are the things that I heard from you in the secret place, are they for me or are they for someone else? And all I'm trying to paint the picture for you guys is that every now and then I just whine and complain to God. Anyone else? I'm just like, ah! I journal like most days, so I'm like writing it out. Some days my like prayer journal goes to like dear diary mode with Jesus. Dear diary, I saw that Clarissa got the opportunity to speak at the conference that I wanted to speak at. And I know that she has a boyfriend that no one knows about. And I'm just like talking to Jesus, like, you know, like he's like my sister or something. I don't know. And it's just like, and sometimes that's good. It's really important to know that you can come to God with your problems. He wants to hear your emotions, you can, you can talk to God about anything, you can rant to him. But one morning I was just really having it out with God. It was at the beginning of this year. I'm like, God, I just turned 30 and here's the list of things you told me was gonna happen that have not. And I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I'm scrolling through Instagram, looking at this person and this person, being jealous, growing the covet, the, covet, uh, the coveted spirit in my heart by staring at someone else's Instagram. If, if you are staring at social media, trying to live through someone else's life, that is a surefire way you need to get off the app for the day, okay? You just need to do it. All of us get caught in that cycle. Is if you can't in good conscience celebrate someone else or use the app to glorify Jesus or celebrate your life and you're just scrolling, swiping, analyzing someone else's curated image of their life going, why don't I have that? It's not healthy for your soul in that moment. And I've been doing a lot of that. And this is one of the moments I don't, I don't always um, um, encourage this as a form of uh, scholarly Bible study and application. But I was pretty mad at God and I didn't know what to do. I was just mad, but I got some time with God anyway. And I put my Bible on the table, this Bible. And, um, and I said, God, I'm mad at you. I don't know what to pray. So you gotta show me something. And so I 
just opened my Bible to a random spot. Oh, it would have been so great if I got that. I turned my Bible and I opened up and it was Jeremiah chapter 12, which based off of my highlights, I had not read before. And the starting little subheader in the NIV spoke right to my soul. Jeremiah was a prophet that prophesied Israel's eventual exile into Babylon um, uh, was, was writing here. He was talking to God and, and the subheader was Jeremiah's complaint. And I was like, oof, my department today, God. So I began reading this, like sometimes we read the Psalms where David is pouring his heart out to Jesus. And I was like, well, this is gonna be good. Let me just read it for you really quick. Let me bring you into the moment at my, my prayer session, hoping that my infant didn't wake up so that I could actually pray. It says, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Hmm. That's code for, I didn't want mac and cheese, I wanted chicken nuggets. <clears throat> Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You ever feel like your friends who don't follow Jesus have more fun, are happier than you? Sometimes you're like, why am I even doing this? They're better off, God. Yeah, you know me, Lord, Jeremiah says. You see me and test my thoughts about you. This gets violent. Do you ever get violent in your prayers? Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. <clears throat> Set them apart for the day of slaughter. Okay. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Speaking about his, the status of his own life. The evil are fruitful and I'm, I'm, I'm scorched grass. Because those who live in it are wicked, the animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Jeremiah is painting a picture for what it can feel like to live in the year 2023. It can feel, he's painting a picture of what it feels like to, uh, to be us sometimes, where no, there's no evidence of God's faithfulness in our life other than what we have in our heart and what we have in our Bibles. And we're like, what's going on, God? And this is where I was at. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. Jeremiah is showing us that we can come to God about anything. And we tell God like it is, and we just declare defeat over our, our enemies. And I can't wait to see what God's about to do to make me feel better in my emotions. The next subheader in chapter 12, verse five, it says, God's answer, buckle up. Seriously, put on your seatbelts right now. I wanna hear the clicks all around the auditorium. Middle section's good. Left back is not buckled up. You guys are gonna fall out, okay? Okay, you guys buckled in? Okay, because this one knocked me out of my seat. Okay, click. Okay, we got it, dude. We know you're back there. Get it. I heard you the first time, okay? It was just them that I needed to hear. Make sure they're okay. God's answer, a dangerous race. God simply replied to Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? And then he kind of just goes on to admonish Jeremiah a little bit. You know, sometimes you don't need God to comfort you. You need him to call you to a higher standard. You don't just need God to be our cosmic care bear. 
I remember how we twirled at conference together, God. We twirled and we twirled and we twirled. Make the bad guys go away. Butcher them, God. Delete, delete, delete. You know what sometimes, you know what sometimes he says? He says, get good. He says, step it up. God says that, not from a place of seeing you as small. Hear me, look at me. Wake that kid up in the middle there. Lean back Ted guy. Yeah. Good morning. Sometimes God will wake you up when you're sleeping, not because he thinks you're a loser, because I don't, leaned back guy. He'll challenge you because he knows what's on the inside of you. Do you know why he knows the makeup of your character and your destiny? Do you know why he knows the talents, the anointing, the destiny that's been put on your life? Do you know? Because he designed you uniquely from the beginning before you were in your mother's womb. So when he calls to you to say, get up, let's keep going. It's not because he's mad at you. It's not because he doubts you. It's actually because God has such a visceral sense of your capacity to do things for the kingdom of heaven. It's because he knows that you can handle it. It's because he knows, he knows, he knows that even in seventh grade, you can make hell tremble when you walk into your school. He knows that even people that have come from a broken family, there is something on them that they're not just going to break the curse. Come on. Some of y'all been praying to break curses and patterns in your family. Jesus said, your prayers are too small. We're gonna reverse the curse. We're gonna stunt on the devil. We're gonna put a boot on his head. And what the enemy tried to break, my bracelet just fell off from preaching. Thank you, Jesus. What the enemy tried to use to break you, God's gonna use to break him. That's what Pastor Dave was alluding to in mine and Amanda's story. We both come from a divorced family and here we are eight years later. Who's laughing now? Dude, I don't know how many, I don't, here, here's a goal. I've never thought about this before. And Pastor Jeff, if this is wrong or rude, just take me off the stage. But I'm here to put every divorce lawyer out of business. Let's do it. I'm sorry if that's your line of work, but like, what are you doing, you know? And I realized there's some appropriate spaces for it. Trust me, by the time I was in eighth grade, we had gone through three of them as a family, okay? So there's, there's probably some need for a few of them. But people have literally created an economy off of people's broken hearts and sufferings. What if we could see people actually get married and stay married and actually just put some of those law firms out of dang business? Go work at Kmart, dog. Restart Kmart, okay? Take your broken expertise somewhere else, okay? So when Jesus says you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? What he's saying to Jeremiah is he's saying, if you've been run down from the normal things, how will you ever compete at a supernatural level? You're like, he wants me to race a horse? Oh my gosh. This was the verse God gave me before I even saw the artwork for Spitfire, okay? Synergy, okay? The Holy Spirit. And, and let me tell you right now, put me up against a horse on fire. I'll run it down. I've been through something. I got fire of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I'll run it down. Bring it on. He's calling you somewhere higher. So here's what I want to challenge you with. 
is as you run this race, you need to be careful that you don't turn your vulnerability with God or others into a victim mentality. I love that we're all about our feelings. Like seriously, like I'm so glad. I hope all of you get the chance to see a mental health professional at some point in your life. Even if you're like, I had a great life. They're just helpful, okay? I'm a pastor. I don't know some of what Christian counselors know to do. It's, amazing. it's life-changing. I hope you do that. I hope you Sabbath. I hope you rest. I hope you know your Enneagram number and your, your personality. I hope you just do it all. Do it all. But we can so easily take one characteristic of God and stretch it over our whole life and use it as an excuse to not do all the other things that God has said for us to do. God wouldn't. God cares about my emotions. I will not be gaslit by God. God would never gaslight me. I must, if it, if it hurts me emotionally, it could never be the truth of God. No, 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 no. Sometimes God actually understands that in order to build our character, he has to confound our emotions. And actually God loves us enough to know that oftentimes when we're in our feels, we're just that, we're in our feels. Can we break down for a moment what feelings are? Y'all, they're literal chemicals in your body that interact with your mind. So you're just like, yeah, I'm going to let chemicals run. Uh, guys, that's not a statement on like mental health or the need to do those things. I'm just saying in your day-to-day -day life, you've got to make sure that when you're vulnerable, that you don't allow it to take a victim mentality because it's a dangerous race. There's a subtitle to my message. It's called Run the Culture. I've got it actually engraved on my iPad mini. You I don't know how good the cameras are. We probably can't see it. I didn't tell them. It's right here. Run the culture. And I think that that is one of the, the, the vision statements God has put on my life. That what I'm telling you is you're not just going to, I'm not just trying to give you a vision of like, you're going to quaintly like, I'm going to invite Timmy who like came to conference last year to church and maybe he'll get saved. I'm saying when Jesus is talking in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he didn't tell us to just go put out some leaflets in the Starbucks. He's saying, yeah, you see that city? No, 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 who's here tonight? Who's here right now? Who's here? Who's here? You here? Okay. He's saying, you see that city? You see that region? You see that country? He said, you're here, you're not here with me right now. You see that city, that region, that country? He said, you see that globe? Let's get all of it. Let's run it down. Let's take the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere to everybody. So we're gonna talk about how. If the team can, um, this is a little bit of an audible. Can you bring out all three of the things at once? Just don't let them see what's written on them because, you know, it'll ruin everything. The interesting thing about me preaching about running is, is I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very in shape person. I, uh, I know I look it. <clears throat> I know I look it. Men? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, men. I know I look it. I know you can tell by my attire that I'm a pro athlete. I know. I know. You know, I have this rule when I'm here in Michigan and Emily City is I don't shake anyone's hands. Because within a moment, all the hardworking real men will just be like, oh, like, what is that? Like, is that a jellyfish? Like, what's, your, what's, what's on your hand? Like, because I have keyboard hands, okay? 
That's the reality. I'm not, I'm not in shape. I have keyboard and Xbox controller hands. I have texting fingers, okay? I got a callus once and I called 911, okay? It was, it's terrible. I wear Carhartt and Dickies so that I feel strong, okay? It's like the armor of God. You put it on and you know, it's cool. Everything's great. But it's, it's kind of ironic because I really, I'm, I'm really not, I'm really not the, the most in, 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 in shape. Yet endurance is one of the key factors to following Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes as we're running the race, just show up from the straight on shot, y'all, not the, not the words. Sometimes as we're running the race, there can be barriers that come in our way. Hebrews alluded to this, casting off all barriers, the things that, that so easily entangle you. And uh, sometimes you've just gotta, you know, tell your leader, yep, ah, I have a problem with pornography. I've been dating this guy. I haven't told anyone about. I need help. Can you pray for me? And, and you remove some of these barriers. Sometimes you see barriers and, 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 and you see it and you're like, hey, I realize that I have an anger problem and I really need to study the word of God to understand how to deal with that. I might, might need to see a counselor. And the barriers that pop up in your way, you keep on running. You keep on running. Should I run for you guys? Do you guys like my running shoes? These are on clouds. No, they're not. Running. And then sometimes we do this thing where instead of trying to remove barriers, we just try to... Um, I'm just gonna, oh God, oh my gosh. No, 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 it's fine. I can follow Jesus and uh, still watch all that stuff. It's fine, it's good, it's good. No, I can, I can be a Christian and listen to whatever music I want. I can, uh, nope, nope, yep, yep. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna read political articles on Reddit and think that it's gonna help me love my neighbor constantly. Uh, no, I can do it, I promise. I can run this race, Jesus. Yeah, you know, I started baseball the third season, my fourth traveling team, but God's still my priority. I'm gonna go, well, I can't go to church. I'll watch online, I guess, you know? And, uh, oh gosh, yeah, no, it's great, Pastor Dave. It's awesome, man. Oh, you guys are still here? It's crazy. So it happens sometimes. That'll happen. You know, the difference with the last one the, the versus the first ones. Did I like completely turn this thing around? This is crazy. I've never seen a hurdle before. <laughs> I asked them to use them and I didn't know what I was gonna get. They're heavier than I thought. Does anyone jump hurdles, run hurdles? How do you say it? Someone goes, it's called hurdles. Yeah, I know it's called hurdles. But she means that's what it's called. Who, who, who hurdles? Not parkour, I mean like for track. Do you actually? Uh, you feel hesitant. You do? For school? No, but do you believe me? Can you hurdle these? Probably. It's going to be really awkward if you get hurt on stage, okay? It'll be a huge distraction if you break your nose, okay? We'd have to just like put you in the back. Is there anyone? This guy? You look like, you're, you look like your name's Jimmy. What's your name? Rowan? You can jump these, Rowan? Okay, come here. And so there's a message to be preached. 
There's a message to be preached about the hurdles, the hurdles that will, uh, is this regulation, Row, Rowan? Okay, just calm down, dude. My gosh. You on pre-workout or something? He's like, let me just, like, he's just like, oh my gosh, dude. I think I just pulled something impersonating you, you know, like. You haven't done it in two years? What are you doing? You guys sent me a rookie. Okay, Rowan, I'm gonna give you a shot, just wait. Who's someone who runs track for real? Okay, this guy. Grant, remember the prophecy. Come on, come on, come here. Okay, both of y'all stay back here. What's your name? Nas? What's your actual name? Nazir? That's a dope name, on God. That's Big Nas X, because you know X stands for, no, listen, bro, X stands, X, X, X stands for Christianity, okay? So when it says Xmas and you, and you freak out that it's taking the Christ out of Christmas, it was literally an ancient symbol for Jesus, okay? So go to We Are One on Spotify and check out the Christmas album, okay? It's Christmas in, uh, in March. Big, big Nas X, okay? All right, stay there. If Rohan, if Rohan does it, will you set them for me? Will you set them for me? But if, if the Rohirrim do this, then I don't need you, okay? But I thank you for your service, okay? But you're a great backup. Okay. So there's a whole message to be preached about the sin that will entangle you, the barriers that will block your race that come from other people, external things, even like sin. Let's talk about sin from a, from a standpoint of like some of those like sins that I was talking about. That's very real and there's a message for that. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna talk about three barriers that get put up because you put them there. Is that funny? Or you're laughing at Rohan? Okay, okay Rohan. All right, let's go. Rohan first. Jump him. Oh, okay. Oh, good job. Good job. Okay, listen, Rowan, right? Yeah. Where are you from? Emily City, Michigan. Oh, let's go. Wait, what's our area code? 608? No, 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 don't tell me. No, tell me. 810, how did I forget that? 608 was Beloit, Wisconsin. Why am I thinking Wisconsin? Because it's snowing. Okay. Rowan, would, I don't, if, he don't, if he drumps and he doesn't fall, I don't want this to be like a traumatic church moment for you, okay? So this is in no way a reflection on like your, your calledness or value in the kingdom of God, okay? So don't let, okay? So let's He's watch. too small. He's too small? Oh my gosh. Okay. That's, that, is, that is very big energy coming from Falsey McGee over there, okay? So. Nazir. Do the thing. Go again, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again. Go, 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 go. Go on his ear, go on his ear. Okay, okay, okay. Do it again. Go, 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 go. 
Come on, Nazir. Come on. Oh, whoa, whoa. One more time. Come on. Come on, son. Come on. Come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you tired? No, sir. You tired? No, sir. Yeah, for sure? No, sir. Oh, no, sir. Oh, do it again. Do it again. Come on, come on. Come on, Nazir. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Come here. Rowan, thank you so much for being a part of the Wheel of Fortune. I love you so much, okay? You can find your seat. Nazir, come here. Let me just show you something. Was that fun? It's awesome. Do you do it for school? I used to. You used to? Yeah. You're kind of breathing a little heavy. Yeah, I have asthma. Oh, you have asthma, okay. <laughs> is that why you don't run track anymore? No, um, but what's funny is uh, this morning I got a call from God. He was like, hey, track's uh, taking a priority in your life. So that's what's going on right now. So you quit. You come. Well, I just want to let you know that that was cool. But, but, but God doesn't need you to do all that. No, he doesn't. He called me to a higher standard. No, no, no. He called you to a lower standard. <laughs> yeah, you have to be pretty low. No, I mean, like, like you don't got to do all that. Why don't you just try stepping out of Why don't you just jog over there and just come back to me? They, they didn't cheer as much for you. Okay. So, no, no, no. So this, this, is, this, is, this is a problem. It's an age-old problem. Is, is we celebrate people who are exhausted trying to follow Jesus instead of those that have endurance. And sometimes it's easy to look at the person who is doing all this stuff. They're jumping over hurdles for God. And we're like, that's the one who's really spiritual. And when Jesus is like, oh, that's so weird. I died so that all those hurdles would actually be out of your path. Mm. So I want to tell you, I want to tell everyone, you ain't got to do all that. You ain't got to do all that. Yeah, you got to run the race, and it's a dangerous race. But some of y'all are jumping hurdles trying to follow Jesus, and he's like, I didn't ask you to do that. And, and it's no wonder why we have so many people fall out of faith is because sometimes that while they're trying to maintain their endurance, they're not managing their exhaustion. And, and they're, they're running at a race and a pace with Jesus where they feel like they have something to prove and they're trying to impress people and they're trying to focus on their Instagram gift and the public gift and here's how much I can prove myself to people. Here's how much talent I have. God called me. He's the only one that talks to me. Bam, 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 bam. And meanwhile, it's the quiet eighth grade girl who just reads her Bible, follows Jesus. She serves on Sundays and she invites her friends to Wednesdays. And she just, ah, ah, ah. I want y'all to know, it's just right here. Look at me. It's just right here. You can sit down. Give it up for Big Nas. It's just right here. You know, what's funny though too is y'all were, were going nuts for him when he was jumping them hurdles. You know, because sometimes we like to celebrate the Christian who gives us a show instead of the Christian that runs the distance. We like to find people that have talent and charisma, but not endurance. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that had a, at some point, I'm going to be the thing that makes this illustration fall short because I'm out of shape. But for right now, I'm good. There's a lot of talented, charismatic people in the Bible. They didn't last very long. It was just some of these faithful few 
who just said, I'm just gonna run. I'm gonna do what God told me to do. He didn't tell me to jump these hurdles. He told me to run the race. And there's some hurdles that we put in front of ourselves. I wanna show you the first one. I hope it doesn't mess up the camera shot because we put them all out at once and I kind of messed it up. It's a hurdle that you need to remove from your life to run this race, to run the culture. It's a hurdle that we put up in front of our own self is when we complain. Jeremiah starts by complaining to God. And while I'm sure it was a great vent sesh, God said, you, you focused on your frustration instead of my faithfulness and where there was no barrier, you put one. I wanna ask you, when you see something wrong in school or in the world, in a person, in your church, is your first step to pray about it, act on it, or you complain? You know, in my family, I'm teaching my three-year-old, she's gonna learn quick. We don't speak whinies in our family, okay? We don't speak whine. Daddy, can I? You know, and some of you guys, you listen to Reckless Love and you're like, ooh, the overwhelming daddy, give me snacks for my bad stomach feelings. You know, I don't know, I lost it at the end there. And we're just like, oh, Jesus, I'm gonna whine to you. Jesus! And he's like, what are you doing? And sometimes the way that we view our problems and talk about them, where, where God's like, yeah, I'd be happy to give you endurance, but now you created a barrier. And you're, and, and, and you're complaining. You know, I see this with Christians a lot. It happens in media a lot. People are complaining, complaining, complaining. I hate complaining. You know, it's like I'm a gamer a little bit. I hate when someone's like, I died because of lag. My weapon loadout isn't the same as everyone else. Like, I hate complaining. I just hate it. When my daughter, I, we give her a full dinner that we worked for, I killed that macaroni and cheese <laughs> and gutted it. Gutted the macaroni and cheese and put its innards on the table from the forest and delivered it to her. And what does she do instead of it? Enjoy it, she's complaining. You see, she's focusing on what she doesn't have instead of what she does have. Complaining is the spiritual discipline of focusing on what you can't do instead of what you can do. Even we wrap it in this Christianese bow and we call it prayer. Well, I'm just putting my petitions unto God. No, 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 no. There's a difference between you praying and asking God to move in a way that only he can move and you praying in a way that remo removes all responsibility from you doing anything about it. Because last time I checked, we serve a God who honors active faith, who says faith without works is dead, who before the Jordan dried up, he said, Joshua, you better put that foot down first. Got to kill the complaining. It's going to be the thing that makes it much harder to follow Jesus, much harder to do anything about the world. Don't complain about the problems in your school. Don't complain about things in politics. Don't complain about culture. Don't complain about celebrities. Don't complain about the person who's mean to you. Do something about it. The Jeremiah fun Uncle John anointing is in the house right now. You're tired racing with men? How are you ever gonna run with the horses? And I don't know about you. I've been wearing this thing around my chest. Pastor, Pastor Dave's got but got a necklace with a, the letter D that stands for dangerous around his neck. And it's kind of big. 
So is my horse. When God gave me this word, I went out and I acted on what he told me and I bought this on some weird Etsy, fake Etsy website. I don't even know what kind of metal this is, okay? But I wear it around my chest every single day as a reminder that whenever I try to complain, whenever I try to fall short, whenever I try to advocate my responsibility to God, that I don't just wanna run with people. I wanna race with the horses. I wanna distinguish calling. I want to run a dangerous race. I want to run the culture. I want to run the score up on the devil. I want to do something different. I want to be something more. I don't want just a conference high. I want to see all that God has for me. I don't know about you. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you pray for. I don't know what you've been writing in your journal. But as for me and my house, I'm going to run down some stallions, baby. I'm going to chase them down and I'm going to do things that no one said was possible. Not because I'm so talented, jumping hurdles. Look at me. I'm a worship leader. I can preach. I can... No, 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 no. I'm going to run down the horses, not because of my talent, but because of what my faith does. It activates the Holy Spirit. I call him the name of Jesus and he gives me strength. But when you complain, you build a wall in front of yourself and ask God to drop it. Some of you are doing Jericho marches, praying for the walls to fall. And he's like, yeah, if you would just stop focusing on the problem and focus on the solution. Some of y'all, the barrier you're facing, you built it. So here's the cool thing. Not to get too like mean on us. Oh, you awake now, boy. Let's go. Let's go, baby. I like you. I like you. He here now. It was Rohan that inspired him, not little Nas. <laughs> Although Nazir is dope. That's a dope name. Some of you you're so scared about the wall that's in front of you, but guess what? We're not that powerful. In fact, outside of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't actually have that much power. So guess what? The wall you built for yourself by complaining, guess how hard it's gonna be to tear down? Not very hard. You know how you do it? Shut up. Someone said that the most powerful weapons that we can harness is prayer and praise. What was that like? We are one conference 2011. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh no, that was last night. Y'all already forgot about the weapons God gave in your hands last night, but you expect him to keep giving you fresh revelation when you won't do anything with the last thing he told you. When you want to complain, whether it's on social media to your friend, I just can't believe the state of the school district. Yeah, Sure. But Christians around the country are building walls out of their complaints. And they're making the problems bigger than our God because they spend more time talking about them instead of focusing on the solutions. You know, in the early church, the Romans, you know, they, they had a form of abortion where they couldn't do it medically as, as, as many people do now. It's a horrendous act. But what they would do is they would, they would have abortion through exposure. And they would leave babies on the out. They would have the babies and they'd leave them out so that rats would kill them. The elements would kill them. They would starve or the international slave market would pick them up. But no, they were done. You know, and I feel like if we were Christians in Rome today, we'd write articles 
in blogs. Can you believe what the pagans are doing? I just can't believe it. The emperor, who's not a Christian at all, is doing things that a Christian wouldn't do. I just, I just cannot. We'd even have prayer meetings about it, which obviously prayer, prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer is important. We'd have prayer meetings. We'd write articles. We'd have revivals. We'd gather. We'd huddle. We'd talk about it. Meanwhile, there's just actual kids dying. You know what the early church did? Super complicated. They were like, oh, let's go pick them up. And while it wasn't complex, it was difficult. And so you're like, are you telling me that following Jesus is easy? Or is it hard? Yes. What I'm telling you is following Jesus is hard enough without you building barriers out of things God never told you to do in the first place. Can you imagine if in Genesis, God tried to uh, create through complaints there's power of life and death in the tongue. Of course, you're facing tall odds. God was not denying Jeremiah's situation. Yeah, there's more people at your school and in this world that don't follow Jesus than that do. Yeah, that teacher hates you. Yeah, that kid gets picked for the team because of you. Yeah, your big sister gets away with everything. Yeah, that person got the promotion. Yeah, so what are you gonna do? Why don't you just say, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna keep running. And I figure if I fix my eyes on Jesus, he's gonna know what to do because, wait, wait, hold on. Oh yeah, he's the author of life. He's the perfecter of my faith. Mm, that's right. Um, oh yeah, he overcame hell, death, and the grave. <laughs> he ascended to heaven and sent down the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, while you're focusing on the goodness of God instead of the bad aspects of your situation, you've not only run closer to Jesus, but you've probably, while you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, oh, what would he do? Oh, he'd pick up that baby. What would Jesus do? Oh, he would just pray for that person. Oh, what would Jesus do? He'd stop complaining and he'd serve his enemy. Oh my goodness. It's almost like we have a faith that says, love our enemies, bless those who persecute you. It's almost like the answer staring you in the face and the thing you're complaining about, God said, I've actually made it very clear. Love them, serve them, pray for them, serve, work, do something about it. Change the atmosphere. Speaking of babies, and my baby's here. We got to do this quick, though. Come here, please, Amanda, my wife, who I love. She's running. Imagine if she had to jump a hurdle with an infant. I'll be careful. That's kind of scary. Rohan, I need you back. Come up here really quick. Faster, please. All right, this is Zaria. We call her, stay over there. We call, we call her ZZ. And what I'm about to do, she might have to have a counselor for her. I love you so much. Okay, Rohan, I need you to run over here. Don't, not yet. Jump in front of my infant and make the scariest face and sound you can possibly do, okay? I need you to do it. Ready? Gosh, I hate this. This is like, like getting a splinter out. Are we should we abort the mission? No, we gotta do it. We're up here. Rohan, do it. Do it. Rohan, go. 
Go, go, as big as you can. Okay, that was pretty good. Thank you, Rohan. That was pretty good. Are you okay? Her little heart's beating pretty fast. I didn't know what she was going to do. I'm so glad. Do you want to say something? Oh. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. This, this, is, this is what I, I, I wanted to illustrate this for you. She, she kind of jumped. She kind of startled. The second barrier that I want to talk to you about, you can stay for like 30 more seconds because I love you so much and the baby's so cute. And it's been a long weekend. The second hurdle that we put up in front of ourselves that we allow to stay in front of us is fear. You're like, well, I don't always choose the things I'm fearful of and some of that comes from external. I was like, Holy Spirit, you gotta help me because fear, as get preached about, it's very general. It's kind of like, what could it mean? The core value that you need to do to remove the barrier of fear is to stop being surprised. A root, okay, you guys can go. You're so beautiful. Her fear in that moment of someone jumping in front of her came from a startle reflex because she didn't see it coming. She was surprised. And while you can't always control when something bad happens to you, what I'm praying for is a generation of Christians that stop acting so surprised when life is hard. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I go to a public school and they don't allow public prayer. Oh, I can't follow Jesus. No. We have a president who doesn't adhere to traditional biblical family values. Oh no, my bracelet. Oh, 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 oh. You fuel your fear instead of your faith because you refuse to accept the reality that we do live in a fallen world. You know, a wise pastor once said that we gotta stop acting surprised when people who aren't Christians don't act like Christians. You know what the early church, the energy they were on? They were not surprised because they were like the only Christians. And we've had the luxury of, of enjoying in some of our nations in the world seasons where it has been a, 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 a overwhelmingly Christian uh, culture. Guys, that's, if there was ever a day that we were overwhelmingly ruled by Christian values in America, that day is over. And some of you, some of these churches, some of these pastors, some of these people, they aren't doing anything because they just keep acting surprised. Disney, a secular company, did what? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Guys, Jesus said before he left, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. The New Testament tells us that we do not fight with the weapons of this world. Then in fact, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. So guess what? Even if it is true, there's a stronghold in our culture, in our government, in your school, in your friendship circle. So what? Jesus said it's already dealt with. We're giving power to these strongholds because we keep acting so shocked. And that shockness fuels our fear because we didn't see it coming. And it's, as the poet said, it's the hits you don't see coming that knock you out. I want a young generation that knows it's gonna be tough. People will not agree with you. They will not understand the way you choose to date or the music you listen to. They won't understand. It won't be the same.
It won't happen. And I feel bad for you because as an older generation, we've not served you well. Because we just keep acting so surprised. And you know what that tells me? The Christians that are the most surprised with how our world is right now, it just means they've been asleep for a couple of decades. Because those that have been walking with the lost and reaching people who are far from God have been known this is coming. Those who have seen what Rome was really like, people say, it's, there's never been a more evil generation. They haven't read their history. Humans have always been good at doing really evil and nefarious things. And the devil wants to take your surprise that your baseball academy U.S. team doesn't care if you pray. He never sent you there because they already knew how to pray. He sent you there because they don't. We get so shocked when seventh period science class is talking about something that we, guys, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying this is what we've been called to, a dangerous race. And Jeremiah, his literal job, there's a lot of the, the Old Testament prophets that were talking about what's happening while in exile. This is when the people of Israel, after receiving the promised land, got taken from the promised land and were literally held captive, repeating the cycle that God had brought them out of Egypt and now they, they had brought themselves back into captivity. Most of them are writing from exile and captivity, from a culture that isn't Christian, that isn't honoring Yahweh. Jeremiah had the rough job of telling people before it happened. So before things fell apart, Jeremiah was like, guys, this is wrong. We're gonna, we are clearly not following the way that God told us to live. We're not running this race. That's what he's talking about. He's saying the wicked are prospering. He wasn't even talking about evil people outside of Israel. He was talking about God's people. He's saying people who don't even adhere to your name get to hold your throne. And he's, he's surprised, he's confused, he's frustrated. He didn't see it coming. You brought us out of Egypt, now we're back here again. But you and I have the benefit of not just the weight of the Old Testament, but the New Testament. We have both the Old Testament exile and the New Testament persecution to be our pathway, to understand that the race we've been called to run is one where the culture around us will not agree or adhere to the Christian values. And Jeremiah, and I feel like I'm up here with a little bit of a Jeremiah prophetic anointing telling you I'm sorry. If, uh, I feel so bad. If it hasn't hit your, your, your school district yet, it's going to. You're like, John, you're so negative. No, you guys don't get it. Because when I just listened to the fact that Jesus told me this was going to come, I remember the fact that he's given me the Holy Spirit and he's given me his word. And I remember that in that moment, I'm a dangerous dude is that actually the church has always thrived in the midst of persecution. The people of God flourish in the midst of exile. That some of the greatest stories of faith happened when the odds were stacked against us. The greatest heroes of faith rose up when it was darkest around them. And God's looking for the next heroes who don't feel like they have to be talented or jump, jump hurdles for him, who will just run the race. It's a dangerous race. But it's a doable race if you get these barriers out of your way. Last one. Self-reliance. This is what happens. Y'all bring me that other thing, please. This is what happens when we try to accomplish God's will in our way. Now that top, that can cover a lot of things. But there have been times where you've been tempted. Thank you. 
to rely on your strength instead of his spirit to try to accomplish his purposes. Some of you get in arguments online and you're yelling at people and you're mad at people and you're like, God, watch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what Jesus told me to do, just not the way that Jesus did it. We're gonna fight the culture. We're gonna take them out. And you're like, John, what are we leading? What, what, what are we trying to get people to? Of course, salvation. Because there are people that are destined to an eternity in hell without Jesus. We need to secure eternity. We need to bring people from earth into heaven. But hear me, we are one conference. Sit up in your seat right now. Because in moments, you'll be out in the cold, driving on your van, your bus. And God did not just gather us here this week and people do not pray and fast. People do not fight through cancer. People do not give their tithe dollars. People do not stay up late making videos, building LED panels. People do not practice dances. People do not go out of their way to invite you just so that we could have a great old time and nothing changes. We gathered here today because we believe that the people of God are dangerous on this earth. That the people of God are a threat to hell. And that doesn't happen if we leave here and we limp our way and we go sit on the sidelines and it doesn't happen here. If you try to jump hurdles, you'll just run and get exhausted. We need to see people from earth brought to heaven. But you know what? Jesus talked even more about bringing people from earth to heaven. The thing Jesus talked about the most was bringing heaven to earth. He said, I know Jesus is coming back. This is gonna happen. And he'll seal it all, he'll settle it all. There'll be no more cancer, no more divorce, no more evil, no more murder. It won't matter who's in government. Government will be destroyed. He'll set up his own government on the earth. The Bible says it's already settled. Pastor Judah Smith said, he said, we are not leaning in on a great boxing match, hoping that our God might win. We're not sitting on the ropes, hoping, I wonder if Jesus is gonna get the devil. What Jesus did at Calvary, what he did on the cross, and when he rose again from the grave, he defeated Satan. We're now in a time period where he's giving us a limited window to make sure that every single person possible can come to know his son, Jesus. And he doesn't just send his spirit, he sends his spirit to his children and his children into the world. We've gotta also be a part of bringing heaven to earth. And I see a lot of Christians trying to do God's will in their way. And you're like, what are we trying to bring it back to? We're trying to give God the chance to put back what we broke in the garden. The Garden of Eden, there's perfection. We messed it up. We're desperately hoping for glimpses of Eden. We're trying to usher in aspects of God's kingdom and his reign while we're still on this side of eternity. And it can happen and it will happen and it has happened. But there was another garden. This is the night that Jesus was taken and his disciples had been running hard. They had been running hard for a while and they had known that this moment was coming because Jesus had predicted it and they tried to stop it. Jesus told them time and time again, guys, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem. They're gonna take me, they're gonna kill me, but I must do this to fulfill the words of the prophet and to follow the will of my father. And all these disciples, Peter chiefly, but many of them were trying to help Jesus out. No, 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 don't accomplish your will your way. Do it my way. We've got a lot of Christians like that who will put the name of Jesus on practices Jesus would never do. The way they talk to people, hate people, judge them. 
And in the same way that there was a terrible moment in the Garden of Eden, there was a terrible moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, where when Jesus was taken, fulfilling the prophecy of hundreds of years, Peter thought he'd do God a favor and he took out a sword. And he went up to one of the guys trying to take Jesus and he cut his ear off. He's waving his sword, being tough, I'm gonna stand up. Mm. And Jesus looks at Peter, already knowing that Peter's gonna deny him. You know, because you know what goes before your actions for God? Your heart for Jesus. Churches have lived and existed for years with a bunch of people who will talk about God's word but won't do a single thing Jesus did. They won't activate the power. They won't feed the poor. They won't do any of the things that we do at Gateway. They won't do any of that. But these Christians got a sword in their hand and they'll make sure that if someone doesn't know Jesus that they hear about it. Mm, see that sinner? Let's get him. It's this thing called self-righteousness. Self-reliance and self-righteousness, pretty much same thing. So we get so focused on the work of Jesus on the cross and how it's ours to have that we forget that he's the one that gave it to us and that we didn't earn it. It was a free gift and it's available to all. And Peter hacks this dude's ear off. And I think sometimes, and hear me say this, because we gotta run the race, we gotta stand up for our beliefs, but we gotta do it the way Jesus did. Some of you and pastors and parents, we get it wrong so much. Politicians certainly as well. Is we yell about a world that doesn't listen to God, but we're the one who cuts their ear off. Wielding the spirit of religion and self-reliance instead of the sword of the spirit. And Jesus says, Peter, put down the sword. And Jesus emulates for us what I hope you go out and do here in your communities, in your friend groups. He, he takes the part that Peter broke and he puts it back. The man who would lead him to his death. Do you understand the ridiculous nature of that kind of love? That the race that we are called to run in exile, in the midst of persecution, is a race that asks us to love our enemies. That Jesus isn't asking you to wage a war against sinners. He's asking you to live for the people he died for. To find it in your hearts to have compassion, not just for those who are lost, but those who are also destroying this world. And I so relate with Peter, because I got two kids. And I hate what people are doing. It's gotten into my family. It's gotten into my friends. And most days, let me get on Twitter. Let me get on Instagram. Let me go to the voting booth. Let me get them. And even if I do the right thing by voting for what's right and I do it with the wrong heart, Self-reliance is when we try to do God's will our way. But the good news is that we can put down our swords. It's interesting to me that the majority of the Bible is made up 
people of God losing battles. We talk about David. We talk about Jericho. We talk about Elijah on Mount Carmel. But then read the next chapter. John the Baptist gets his head cut off, sure, but even before that, he started doubting the very thing he was put on earth to do. Esther, she got to eventually win a battle, but it was after years of, what is this? So John, are you a pacifist? No. If someone tries to hurt my kids, I'm gonna Emily City them, okay? Like, I believe in defending the weak, standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. What I'm saying is, is that some people have a brand of evangelism that just wages war against the very people Jesus died to save. And we're gonna have to figure out together, and it's good that you're in church and in youth ministry because it's gonna take that kind of leadership for you to figure it out. You're gonna have to figure out how to stand up for what you believe and help serve and love the sinners and the people who are destroying the world from the inside out. But if you try to run this race relying on yourself, relying on religion, relying on self-righteousness, you're gonna trip up and fall. We've got a world of people who have been hurt by some Christians Guys, I don't like to talk about church hurt because I do think that most of the people that talk about it are just making excuses. I really do think that there's a lot of people that are like this. Like, yeah, your pastor told you not to sin and now you're mad and you want to sue the church because they said, like, don't sleep with your girlfriend like the Bible says. Like, okay, when? Like, I'm sorry. Like, our pastor's perfect? No. But guys, there are some very real people in the world who, whether by you, and you're like, I didn't hurt them. This is the thing that self-reliant Christians do. Well, I didn't cause that problem in the world. I didn't do that. I didn't hurt them. It wasn't my church. It wasn't my leadership. Yeah. Where would we be if Jesus came to earth with that kind of mentality? I didn't cause that mess. Why do I need to die on the cross? Barabbas, get up there, sucker. Peter, good luck, buddy. Thank God. We have a God who said, I didn't do it, but I'm gonna help solve it. Run this race. In Acts chapter eight, one, I don't have time to read it. I read you Acts chapter one, eight. In Acts chapter eight, one, another war is waged and the Christians don't fight back. They let Stephen die. But Stephen knew that if his death meant that people got to experience eternity with Jesus, and it was worth it. And it says there that a great persecution broke out of over the church. And you're like, oh no, that's so bad. Oh man, persecution, exile. How can I run the race? Acts chapter one, verse eight says, and they, Jesus said, go into all the earth, Judea, Samaria. Here, let's put verse eight, one up there as I close. And Saul approved of their killing. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Is there another one? I think, yeah, verse two. Maybe I didn't give it. Maybe I'm bad. No, 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 that's, that is my fault. Here, I got it right here. I wish y'all could see it. <laughs> On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered 
throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Bad news, feels like us, feels like what the headlines seem, feels like what you're going back into facing. Oh no, it's over. My goodness, I can't run the race. There's too many hurdles, too many barriers. Verse four, but those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Y'all didn't catch it. The thing that scattered them is actually the thing that sent them. The thing that the enemy used to try to destroy the church is the very thing that propelled it into its purpose. The very thing Jesus said would happen, he used the devil to set up his own demise. The thing you're worried about, God's gonna work through. You go back to that darkness and you say, it's by design so I can bring my light. I don't need the sword of the flesh. I got the sword of the spirit. I got divine power. You're so worried about what might happen and God's like, it's all part of the plan. This is our hour. This is our time. This is not the time for a group of Christians who simply know how to gather. It's a group, it's about a group of Christians who know that when we gather, it's so that we can empower to go and bring the gospel of Jesus. I wish I could read you more of Acts chapter eight. Philip goes, this guy, and he sees an Ethiopian who is from a whole, it's from a part of Africa on the road as he's running. Philip's just running. He's just running. Stay standing. He's just running. Philip's running. And he sees this Ethiopian in a chariot. And he stops and he talks to this African who has influence in a royal palace that has never heard of Jesus. And while he's in his greatest moment of flight, God's giving him the greatest opportunity for his faith. And it says that, that in fact, the Ethiopian was, was trying to figure out the Old Testament Guys, I'm not saying that you have to go to every single person and say, hey, let's talk about Jesus now. Because if you prayed, God would show you the people who are already curious. And God would show you how he's already prepared a way in the life of that teacher, that coach, that friend. Let me give you some hints. If they're going through darkness, divorce, depression, guess what? They probably have a soft heart to hear about Jesus. God will give you it. You can even watch someone's social media to know that they're curious about their faith. All y'all, Tater Tots, Andrew Tate boys in the building didn't even notice when he switched and converted to Islam. He still talks about motivation. Well, so if this dude can lead men into spirituality, why can't Christians? People want it more than we think and God will guide us to the right opportunities in the right times. And he helps break down the Old Testament prophecies, the very ones Jesus fulfilled. And then he says to the Ethiopian, yeah, this guy you're reading about, the prophecy you're reading about, it was fulfilled. And he preaches the gospel. No, 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 no. Hear me. He didn't preach it. He told him. Some of y'all think that the only people who can preach the gospel are preachers with a mic in their hand. Now, most of the people, I believe in the next 20, 30 years of our country that are gonna lead people to Jesus, I pray it's not preachers. 
I pray that what we get to do is encourage you in your endurance, help you remove barriers, give you divine direction. But I, I, I can't wait. And it's already happening here. It's going to happen in your church. It's going to happen in my church. It's going to continue to happen where we're not just greeting first-time guests with a free t-shirt. We're watching people who met Jesus on the road, on the run, because someone from the church didn't just wait to invite them to church. They found an opportunity to share Jesus. They weren't hacking ears off. They weren't complaining. They weren't, they weren't surprised. They weren't surprised. They weren't relying on their self. They were relying on God's spirit. And they prayed for him in the grocery store and talked to him about Jesus. You're like, John, you're telling me to run, like, run with the horses? I gotta say this last part is so good. And then I'm gonna, then you're gonna come up here, okay? I know, I know, I know. Show the thing that Abigail made. It's so beautiful. Average horse runs 30 miles per hour. Average human, five miles per hour. Your odds are not very good. God's asking Jeremiah to do the impossible. Run with the horses, what? But then I remembered Usain Bolt, the fast guy. Let's see what he can do. 27 miles per hour. Oof. That's pretty fast. I'm like, gosh. Big Nas, you'll get there, dude. That's just a normal horse, though. If, you, if we did like racing horses, it'd be 55. You're like, man, John, I feel like you're, you're asking me to do the impossible. What, what the heck? You know, buried in scripture is a little convenient encouragement for you. This eunuch, this Ethiopian guy who was in a chariot going fast, what pulls a chariot? How many horses possibly? Two horses. After Peter got done, or after Philip got done talking to the Ethiopian, it says that, that the spirit took Philip, banished him, brought him somewhere else. Philip starts preaching the gospel there. God's got ways of moving you around this world ain't ever seen. You look them horses in the eyes and you say, you don't know my movements. You don't know how the Holy Spirit will move me around. In the Bible, Elijah was so full of the spirit that he chased down horses on his own two feet. I want to encourage you that while the odds are stacked against you in the flesh, in heaven, it's already settled. So we're going to put these things out here. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave up to close us. On your way out, if you want. I'm not a big fan of like, everyone come to the altar because you're emotional and you're peer pressured. Those who want to run a dangerous race and want to run the culture, who want to do it the way of Jesus. We're going to leave some of these, these winter medallions up here for you with the Sharpies. And I dare you to put the name of a few friends. I dare you to carry this around school. I dare you to bring this to your home. I dare some of you to not just put friends and people. I dare you to put aspects of culture, government, entertainment, social media, your sports team. I dare you to buy faith, write down areas that you're gonna bring Jesus to. That yeah, it's gonna be hard, but you're gonna run this race and you're gonna win. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter who's already made it happen. I love you guys so much.